be fine Blowing up like dynamite, I never meant to make you cry Make your mind up, I'm fading I wanna stay out, you wanna stay in Hello and welcome to This Is Ibrox, your Rangers podcast Those of you who've been catching up on the Rangers Women podcast will know my name is Graham Falk and I'll be your host for this evening or today or the afternoon whenever you're listening to it for a very special interview with a Rangers cult hero, a man who played for the Jers between the years of 2016, 2017, I think, if my memory serves me right, scored six goals in 32 appearances. I'm very privileged to be joined by Clint Hill. How are you doing, mate? You all right? Thank you, mate. Yeah, pleasure to be on, mate. I know, uh, I know I've turned you back a few times, so thanks for sticking with me and um, I've finally got the time to get on, so thanks for that. Absolutely not a problem at all, mate. More, more my pleasure. Um, before we get into the nitty-gritty of obviously your time at Rangers, uh, you're currently assistant at Bristol Rovers. Won't beat around the bush. Obviously, it's been a bitterly disappointing end to the season. But results aside, how have you enjoyed being finding your, your first few months in Bristol? Um, yeah, apart from obviously... The, the on the on the pitch results wise, uh, it's a hell of a city. Some great people there. Um, proper old traditional football club with a city fan base. You know, uh, two big clubs in, in one city, similar to Glasgow. Um, both passionate about football. So that's the that's the one thing that attracted us to the club. You know, we, we wanted to play for uh, a club that travels with an army. You know, so they'll, they'll get twelve and a half thousand if we do well next season. They'll travel with three to four thousand as well, and that's something that we we haven't had the privilege of before. So, um, bitterly disappointed with what the way it's gone. Um, but now we get our, our chance to stamp our authority, um, our players, um, and and the way we do things. So, really looking forward to next season. Now, I imagine it's it's quite difficult to, especially with a character like Joey Barton, sort of spearheading it. I imagine it's quite difficult to to get things going when you've got no fans in there because that thrives off that kind of stuff, doesn't he? So you'll be looking forward to that next season as well. Yeah, listen, if, uh, I think with, with the COVID, I think one thing's for sure, football uh, just ain't the same. It's just not the same without the fans one way or another. I know a lot of players will probably play better without certain crowds in. Um, but me for sure, there's nothing better than a full stadium. Um, with fans behind you, pushing you on when you need to. Um, and it's something that I've missed and I'm sure uh, a hell of a lot of players have as well. So please bring them back next season. Yeah, fingers crossed. Um, you've been with Joey, obviously, for a fair few years now. You're from exactly the same area of Merseyside. You're sort of four years apart in, in age difference. You played with each other at QPR for a short time at Rangers as well and, and now in management at Fleetwood and also at Bristol Rovers. Um Joey as the player has, has probably got a, a certain type of characteristic that people connect to, but Joey Barton, the manager, probably slightly different, but you also who works with him sort of daily. What, what is the differences between Joey, the manager, and, and Joey, the player? Um, very driven. Um, very driven person. As a footballer, he's one of those players that you, you definitely want to go into war with. You know, he'd have you back. He's a 100 percenter. Um, and he drives the standards on it on a daily basis, and he's not uh, he's not shy with making sure everyone else is up to those standards as well. And like I think we, we probably know it's got him in a little bit of trouble here and there. Um, but he's always he's always a hundred percent, and he'll stand true to his values, uh, and he'll tell you the truth. Now, some people like it, some people don't. Um, as a manager, 
I think over the last two and a half, three years, the progress he's made, especially from that time out where we got the sack from Fleetwood uh, to where we are now, I see a massive, massive change in him in terms of the way he handles the press, the way he engages with people uh, and the way he handles the players on a, on a daily basis has been a big, big improvement from when we first started from players to coaches. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just gutted that we couldn't kind of put our stamp on it this season. We came in late. Um, obviously, as footballers and coaches, you have this little bit of an ego where you think you could save the world. Yeah, cool. <laughs> we went in and we thought, oh, yeah, we, we can do this. Unfortunately, uh, a lot of injuries kind of stopped us putting our best 11 out and we just weren't good enough at the end of the day. So really looking forward to next season now where we can recruit well, get our players in, get them fit and get them raring to go. So we will roll it all the way back, which wasn't that long ago, um, to your time at Rangers, which is supposedly what the people are tuning in for. But the date exactly, 17th of June 2016, because I have memory like that and, and promised I didn't, didn't Google that. Um, you were the fifth signing of the summer, if I, if I remember cor- correctly. Joey Barton was obviously already there. I think Josh came in, um, Rossiter, and I think Matt Crooks, if I remember correctly, going all the way back. Um when did you first hear that Rangers were, were interested in you? How early in the summer did that come? So I was obviously, I think you've probably heard it before, was I was on holiday um, in Dubai. I'd just been released by QPR six and a half years. Love yeah. the club. Uh, gutted. Uh, and I went on holiday thinking, let's just see what happens. Let's see who comes in. Um, got a phone call, literally like one evening, just on the balcony, enjoying the view. <laughs> and it was my old friend who, who I think, took Jordan Rossiter into Rangers. I uh, said, listen, I think Glasgow Rangers uh, might fancy taking you. And I was like, you know, are you sure? And he goes, yeah, yeah, I think it could be done. I said, I'll know in the next like 48 hours. And I was like, if that can happen, I'm more day for it. Not thinking that it'll ever happen. I thought maybe I'm on six or seventh on the list if I'm lucky. Uh, so I put the phone down and I'm absolutely like buzzing. I'm thinking, wow. If this comes off, you want lucky bugger. <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? Um, so, yeah, left it for a few days. And then he got back in touch with me about 48 hours later and said, listen, it's a goer. Um, I spoke to Mark. He said, as soon as you touch down, get up to Glasgow and we'll have a chat and see if we can get it done. And I was like, Pfft. I thought he was having me on. I thought it was a joke. I can't lie. I can't lie to you. Uh, but, yeah, I had a week left on my holiday and I was like, God, I need to get this done. Like, I, I can't, I've got to get it done because I'm just thinking they'll move on. They'll move yeah. on, they'll find someone better or they'll realise they'll come to the senses or something, I don't know. Um, so the rest of the holiday, I was just I was just eager, eager to get back and get going. Um, so that's when I first heard about it and then obviously I've touched down and gone, gone up to Glasgow. So you would have been, I'm guessing, holiday with family at that point, 30, yeah. 37, give or take? God, yeah. I think I would have been, yeah, yeah. At risk of making myself sound really, really old here, because I'm knocking on 35, um, do you ever expect to get a chance like that at a club like Rangers? No. Well, no. Listen, I thought, I knew I could play for another year. I knew I could, mm-hmm. I felt fit. Um, I'd, I'd done, I think, 15 games that year in the championship. Um, so I knew I could do a job. What level? Uh, I didn't know who, who'd take me at that age, if I'm being honest. It might be a League One, it might be a League Two. I, I really don't know. Um, because once you get to a certain age, people look at you a little bit differently, mm-hmm. uh, no matter how fit you are. Um, so obviously, to get that opportunity to go to 
a football club like Glasgow Rangers, which you followed as a kid, you watched the games on Sky, you seen the Gazers, the Loudrups, the Alberts, you know what I mean? Um, was something that I thought would never happen to me, not at, not at 37 anyway. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I can only speak from personal experience, but when you, you get up and, and see that stadium, I, I know I understand, as far as I remember, you didn't go mm. to the stadium originally, you weren't unveiled at, unveiled at the stadium, it was training ground, wasn't it, I think? Yeah, I think I went through the back door, mate. Yeah, through the back door. I think <laughs> I've seen everyone else. I've seen everyone getting unveiled at Glasgow. You know, I met sorry at Ibrox and uh, going around the trophy room and everything. And I just got shoved through the back door somewhere. So, <laughs> no, but I went up. I landed. Um, uh, I think to be fair, I think it was the first time I touched down. It was like a like a scene out of a frigging Hollywood film. I walked through the arrival stores and it was like paparazzi everywhere. There was sky with big microphones in my face and I'm going, what's happening here? I thought like, is, is someone famous come and help behind me? Freaking ridiculous it was. Ridiculous. Right. You said you felt like a, a film star, didn't you, when you kind of first... Yeah, I thought, I thought like George Clooney or something behind me or, you know, I thought, but this can't be for me, this, you know what I mean? Freaking Clint Hill 37. <laughs> can't be for me, this. Is yeah, that, it was, was eye-opening. Is that when you realised, though, like the, the, the magnitude of the club that you're, you're potentially signing for? I think if you speak, uh, I think if you speak to a lot of players, you know it's a big club. You know it's a big club. You don't, but you don't, if you know what I mean. You, yeah. you, you see it, you see, the big, you see the big stadium, you see the history, you know it's a big football club, but you don't know how big it is until you actually pull the shirt on um, and start living it. And once you start living the life of a Rangers player, then you know how big it is and, and all the pressures and the responsibilities that come with that. I think I went to school with uh, Martin Waghorn, who obviously you played with. Um, yeah. We're talking years ago now, far too long ago. Um, but I caught up with him a few years ago and I think I asked him, you know, we both came from South Shields, we both moved to, to Glasgow, we both kind of under, understand what Rangers and, and Glasgow and, and what a football city it is and you know how long did it take you to, to sort of settle down into it and he, he kind of basically said months he's like you just don't understand like especially when it comes along with like an old firm it's spoken about a month in advance like I've worked in call centres and it's it's a conversation that's had a month before the actual game when you might have like eight games in a month but how long does it take you to, to settle into the I want to say the size of Glasgow Rangers but everyone knows the size of it how long does it take you to settle into that bubble um, yeah, I'd, I'd say the same. I'd say the same that as, as Waggy said, a couple of months for sure. Um, uh, being honest, probably struggled with the expectation and, and, and the pressures of it to begin with. In terms of, um, I put too much pressure on myself to, I don't know why. Um, to be fair, because Mark said, listen, you, you won't be first choice, you'll come in, you'll be kind of back up to the, to the first team lads and then just make sure you set a good example on and off the pitch, which I said, yeah, that, that's no, no problem at all. Um, and then I played the first few games, didn't do, too, didn't do great. The team wasn't clicking. Um, and yeah, I did struggle, obviously walking around uh, Glasgow and, uh, and where I lived in Milgai. Obviously, it's not the same as, as, as England, you know, you can hide down here you can't hide up there (laughs) people know who you are people are constantly uh, talking to you obviously it's 50-50 who you meet Um, you might get in how are you you might get a a, you get to that's just the way (laughs) so it took a a while mate it took a while but um, 
I think I just had a realization one one day and said, "Listen, you just you, you've got to enjoy this because it, it, this can't, this, you know, I mean, this is not going to happen again. So you've got to enjoy. You've got to embrace the pressure. You've got to embrace the expectation, and more importantly, just do what you do. And if if that's not good enough, then hey, that's fine because you know you can look in the mirror and go, "Did you give it everything? Yes." So as soon as I, as I came to that kind of judgment, I started kind of enjoying it a little bit more. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a big pressure. You know, when you first came in as well, you, you talked about there, about Warburton saying, you know, you might be third or fourth choice. Um, yeah. And as much as the media is massive up here and those, those cameras and things like that, if I remember rightly, a, a lot of the media in the main sort of wrote you off due down to age. Was the, the sharpness of the comments, was that something you took much notice of or because of your experience, did you kind of brush that off? Um, you know what? At, at the beginning, I probably did. Mm-hmm. At the beginning, I, probably, I don't think you can get away from it because there's two massive football teams. Um, they need to fill columns of pages and football's probably one of the biggest topics there. So I don't think you can get away from it. Um, a lot of coverage on TV. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think you could hide from it. Um, and it probably did affect me too a little bit because we'd just come up. I can, where was I? I can remember being in uh, the West End. I think we're just having a meal before the first game against Hamilton. And straight away, they're going 55. I've got to get 55 this season. But that, that was like, that's the first experience I had. So I'm having a meal and people go, hey, 55 this season. And I'm going, been away for eight, nine years. Just come up from the first year in the Prem. Um, got a young team. It, it, might need a bit of time. This no, 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 no. We've got to win the league. So that's the first kind of experience I had of that, and I was like, wow, phew, some pressure here then. Um, so and that, that's just the way it is. That can't change, by the way. That can't change because it's an institution, and it, it without those standards, uh, yeah, it's built on nothing. So that can never change. But it was an eye opener for me. I think that's a big thing, isn't it, with Rangers? It's standards because I remember obviously that time when we came up and. It did feel like that. It was like we need to challenge immediately because the standards are set within the football club and they'll continue to be set. And like you say, they won't change and they can't change. Um, but when you really look back at the team, that was a bunch of young lads that were probably yeah. like days in the headlights, really, wasn't it? Of course. And and listen, they were winning. So they've come through the, the, the kind of second and third tier and, and pissed it, really, didn't they? Yeah. The um, they, they were too good a team. They, they were too good a team for, for the standard. Um, but then to go up to the Prem is another standard and another level um, and a different pressure because um, you're playing some big boys in there. And obviously, I've always said, once you put that um, uh, the, the Rangers jersey on, you're a target and teams raise the, raise the standard by another 10, 15%. So it's a big jump. It's a big jump to go from champ to, to being champions of, of the Prem in one year. And unfortunately, I've said before, the team wasn't quite ready to do that. Yeah. I think, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I'm sure your your debut came against Annan in the, the League Cup. I think you started in a, a yeah. defence with Rob Keenan, Hodgson, yeah. Lee Wallace, and you had the likes of, obviously, Nico Cranjar and uh, Halliday in the middle, I think. Now, you've been in... Plenty Neil Warnock dressing rooms, and by that point you understood and, and knew what different characters you can get in a dressing room. Um, what were you 
what were your original impressions of the side and, and the lads that were in the dressing room sort of in those really early days? Listen, all good lads, all really nice, real good lads who wanted to do well, um, personally and for the football club. Um, but when it came to actually performing and act, doing your actions instead of words in front of a big crowd at pressure moments, um, the team, it wasn't, it wasn't good enough to challenge. Uh, the league table says that and, and performances and results say that. When it, got, when it was right and when we got it bang on, it, it was good. It was good. Um, but to sustain that for a period over a season, uh, yeah, the, the mix wasn't right. Um, so, yeah, it was disappointing. It was disappointing. Um, there were some good moments in there, but yeah, there, there, was some heavy, <laughs> there were some heavy moments in there as well. Yeah. Were, yeah, soul-destroying. Soul-destroying. With the, we've talked about the pressures and stuff like that that come with Rangers being the biggest and most successful team in the country. But when you're, and I, I don't want to be harsh on any of the lads I've played, um, but like you've just said yourself, when they're, they're not quite good enough, but the standards and the expectations are still there, is it almost like a, you just can't put the pieces together and it becomes more and more frustrating and that creates even worse results sometimes? Yeah. Um, listen, you, you can... I've been in enough dressing rooms where uh, you can shout, you can ball, you can string people up against the wall and you might get a reaction. And then there's, there's some groups that if you do that, you'd lose them even more, you know? So there's, there's different levels of, to dress rooms that you've been in. Um, I think the dress room we were in just, it, it couldn't cope with that. So we had to, we had to find another way, you know, uh, we had to stick together. We had to keep encouraging. And I think that's the kind of philosophy that Mark liked as well. You know, he, he didn't like confrontation. Uh, he didn't like um, uh, harsh words or anything like that. It was a learning environment um, in terms of videoing and, and the way you talk to people. So that was his philosophy to it, um, which coming from an old school background is, is a little bit different to how I had it as a, as a kid. But that's the way you wanted to do it and you had to respect that. Um, yeah, just strange, strange. But some really good lads and there's some talented boys, but the mix wasn't right. The mix wasn't right, unfortunately. And I think, I don't know, I think a few of the lads said um, if if they stuck to the way they were from the championship up to the Prem with young lads playing football and maybe didn't bring the likes of the older boys in, they might have done better. So it works both ways. When you talked about Warburton there and how he wanted it to be a learning environment, I think um, you're right in what you're saying. When we're going to say, top of my head, Neil Warnock, very old school, works for him. People connect to it in my opinion, one of the, the better managers that England has produced. Um, Warburton, very much in the, the modern mould of a manager, like you say, he wants people to learn. He, he seems quite a softly spoken kind of person um, that wants to get his message across, doesn't believe in screaming or shouting. Stupid question probably here, but is that where him and Joey Barton really didn't get on? Um, you know what? I, 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 think Joe's, I think Joe's done the interview, hasn't he, where he, he's explained everything. Um and it was a weird one, to be honest with you, because it was absolutely nothing from yeah. from the from the altercation that happened on the on the training ground was just a group of lads who have been destroyed by Celtic and yeah. wanted to get the frustrations out. And the training standard was was very good and it was very um intense. There was a lot of tackling, there was a lot of shouting, there was a lot of intensity to the to pressing, and it was like, wow, I think, hey, I think we turned the corner here. Um, and unfortunately, I think there was a tackle made and 
as you do, and happens on a Sunday. There's a bit of argy bargy, nothing, nothing to it. And uh, from then on, I don't know what's happened in, in the dressing rooms or uh, sorry, in the in the coaches' room after. It's all gone bananas. So from what I actually seen <laughs> of what it was, it was nonsense. To be honest with you, it was just lads trying to get the frustration of a bad result out of them. And it was good, to be honest with you, it was good to see that they had a bit of bit of fight and a bit of tenacity. So yeah, and then it just went absolute bananas after that, and Joe left. Weird, weird times. I think when you look at the start of the season, um, it, it was relatively rocky. Like you say, it wasn't the best to start. It was, I think, Hamilton was 1-1 at home. I think two draws to oh, win, yeah. if I remember correctly. Um, we will come on to a far happier time for yourself at Parkhead. Don't worry. Um, but obviously, <laughs> you touched on before, you came up against Celtic and it wasn't the greatest day on the planet. Um, you didn't actually play that day. Obviously, you you were on the bench. But um, what are your memories of the day, just in total? Like the, the funny things, the, the difficult things? What's the build-up, to be honest? Like, like you mentioned there, I've, I've never experienced that kind of build-up um, from, God, a week or two in advance. Obviously, walking around uh, the villages and the, the town, people would say, hey, we need to do that, we need to win this. You need to be at it, and that was constant every day. And I've never experienced that, so I was like, this, "There's going to be some atmosphere here." So obviously, then you get prepared. Uh, you get on the bus, you get off. All their fans are there, thousands of them. Obviously, giving you a nice welcome with throwing money at you because they think you're skins. So you start picking the money up, <laughs> giving you vile abuse, and you think this is going to be tasty. This, so um, and then we go out to warm up. Uh, and, and the noise already, even even warm-ups, the, the amount of people that are there was was, was frightening. Uh, the noise when you came out, um, even like, uh, look now, I've still got the pictures of young kids there uh, with their grandmas or granddads and their faces are red and they're like, because you've got the blue shirt on, they don't like you, they're making, not making you welcome. Um, so all those little things stick in my mind uh, and just the atmosphere. The atmosphere, because obviously you've got all this here and then in this corner, you've got this big army of blue in, in the corner trying to cheer the lads on. Um, so it was all it was all like a new experience. I enjoyed the atmosphere, but then yeah, what, what unfolded on the pitch wasn't great at all, to be honest with you. So mixed, mixed feelings. With the game itself, obviously it didn't really work out, but you didn't get on the pitch that day. Um is it more difficult being on the bench watching that kind of thing unfold than it is actually maybe even being on the pitch? Yeah, definitely. Actually, I think Big Phil got sent off, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Okay. And I thought, well, I'll get on here. I'll get on because just a straight swap in and out. Um, and I think Mark decided to go a different way. Um, might have even changed formation. If I, if I, if I, I think you remember did, Joey Barton in like central defence. Yeah, I think he did. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I was busy warming up, up and down, trying to uh, get fit, get warm. And then he decided to go a different way. Um, and I just sat back down on my backside. Um, yeah, you'd rather be on the pitch, definitely. Definitely, it's hard watching. With the dressing room that you had at the time, we spoke about young players and things like that. But I mean, there was big personalities there. You know, we talked about Joey, obviously, but Josh Windass, young lad, but big personality. Um, Garner, 
didn't have the greatest time at Rangers, but at the same time, big, big character. Tav was in there as well. Um, yeah. Maybe not the character or as advanced as he is now, but still there. Um, what was said in the dressing room afterwards, and I don't necessarily mean was who for two, but like who who was the person that stood up and said, you know, come on, like that. that. I remember being, yeah, I can remember obviously being quiet. Mm-hmm. It was very quiet when I walked in. Um, but then I think you had the likes of uh, Kenny, Kenny Miller, uh, Waldo, I think. Um, and they were saying, listen, that this ain't good enough. I think, I think Joel might have said something as well, saying that that's not good enough, that uh, that can't happen. That, that level of standing and performance was pathetic. That can't happen. Um, and then if I remember correctly, uh, I think Mark said a little bit as well. Um, but this, what, what can you say? Mm-hmm. What can you say? There's a time and a place to maybe say things and when you've just been uh, spanked by your neighbours and enemy, maybe less is better sometimes and leave it until the Monday. Um, but there was a few words said, nothing that would cause a reaction, but some home truths were said in, in, a, in a politish way. Um, and then obviously we came in on that, that Monday and, and to me, uh, the, the training went up the level of intensity went up uh, and there's a little bit of devilment in everybody, which is what you need. Because if you train hard through the week, then the games become easier. Um, but then obviously all that went off with Joe. So it just kind of just kind of went away after that. With moments like that, um, I think it's often said there's people who are like Rangers men, Rangers people that understand Rangers Football Club. And I think Kenny Miller is probably the prime example of that squad. Like you mentioned before, Lee Wallace. Is that when characters like that come to the fore, the likes of Kenny Miller, Rangers men who understand what that defeat would have meant to people? Well, I think that's that's the first place you look at. I mean, I, I was 37, um, so I was an old head, but I've never experienced mm-hmm. uh, playing for Rangers. So obviously I was looking up to them myself going, I was watching them every day thinking, how how do these work on a daily basis? How do they hold themselves? How do they present themselves to fans and media? So, so they're the, the people that I looked up to when I was 37. So you, you like to think the younger lads were were looking that way as well. Um, but they, they they were good lads and they had the, the club at heart them too. Um, and you can tell it hurt them a hell of a lot after that game. You mentioned Tav there before. Um, Tav got an awful lot of stick at times and, and yeah. has been through a difficult, difficult time. And I mean, I've... <laughs> I personally am a real big fan of Tav and I think a lot of other fans are as well. But when you think back to games like that and times like that when, you know, he, he probably did get a lot of stick and he's been criticised in a lot of different corners and, and ridiculed by opposition fans and stuff like that. How does it make you feel now to see someone who is like one of the best right backs in the, the whole of the UK, let alone Scotland, um, and he's captaining the side to like 55th trophies and hopefully 56th? How, how proud does that make you feel when you see what he's up to now? Listen, he's been he's been through the journey, really, hasn't he? He's, he's yeah. done a hell of a lot of years there. Been through, been through some hard times. So, uh, to see somebody last that long at Rangers is an achievement because it, it's such a, a pressured environment and the standards are very high. So, to survive that long in the first place is is credit, uh, and not just that to, to actually improve year on year um, and to get better is you tip your hat. That's the tip of the hat as well. Um, as a captain, I'd, I'd be honest. I'd never seen that. I, I didn't. I didn't think he was a standout captain in, in the dressing room in the way he he, uh, he talked or anything. But again, uh, must have been a masterstroke. He, he's given the armband and he, he's absolutely shone. And he's he's been brilliant. He's been a great leader for them. 
Um, and it was a proud moment from him, for him and his family to lift that trophy. You could see how much it meant to him, I think. Yeah. And uh, some videos that were online, you know, I think that's a lot of outpouring coming from all the grief he's had, all the hard times. And I think it was like, it was worth it because I've lifted that trophy. So fair play to him. Admire him a hell of a lot for, for, for achieving what he's done at that club. And hey, he's a legend there now. So fair play. Tremendous stuff. Talking of important players, I think we were discussing sort of in our WhatsApp group chat before about players around that era that, you know, really meant something, really kind of got Rangers at that time. And Lee Wallace is probably the, the really obvious name to pull out. I think he was massive for us around the, the early, like five years beforehand as well, to be honest, and, and getting us back to where we wanted to be. Um, how important was he to, to Rangers' squad and, and dressing room at the time you were there? Like I said, he, he was the ones that you kind of looked up to so he, he'd been there a few years he's come through that that kind of journey with uh, Kenny as well and they were the people you looked at uh, on a daily basis to see what it, what it was to be a Rangers player and how they presented themselves so and they'd done it really well uh, Lee was was, a, was one of the main figures in the dress room in terms of talking and communicating with the lads he was well respected by everyone um, and he held a, a real good high position in the dressing room. Um, and he, he was a good player. He was a good player. Lee. And it was just sad the way, it was sad in a way, that, that the way they left, really, to be honest with you. It, was, it, it just kind of came out of nowhere, didn't it? And um, I don't think there was any kind of um, bad, bad words in there. I just think they wanted the standards to be better. That, that's all they ever wanted was, was the best for Rangers. <laughs> and yeah. unfortunately, it just ended in the wrong way for them. But, um, they'll be remembered in the right way, I'm sure, by a lot of fans. I know his time at Rangers wasn't perfect, but um, I've heard some really good tales about Joe Garner. Um, what kind of a character is Joe Garner? Because he seemed to be a person that maybe where it didn't 100% work out. He embraced the challenge, didn't he? He did. Joe's, um, I've had a few beers with Joe, so we've had a good few nights out. <laughs> uh, one hell of a character. Um Again, just a hundred percent. He's a hundred percent. When he when he gets on the pitch, he gives everything. Um, and I know the fans kind of talk to him in their own way. I think they, yeah. did they make the song. Did they make the song number one or something like that? It was went for Christmas number one. I think yeah, if I absolutely yeah. brilliant that one. <laughs> <laughs> the power of Rangers fans, that isn't it? But he was a proper character in around there, in around the dressing room. Just just a proper normal bloke who, who, who played footy hard. He played footy hard and he loved the pints after it, loved the social. Um, and he's someone I really enjoyed um, getting to know during that year. Uh, he scored some good goals as well, Joe. He scored some goals and he, he put some bodies put some bodies on the ground as well, I think, with some naughty tackles. So he, he, was, he was full of entertainment, the boy. With the, um, you know, shortly after that the game, we talk about these characters that you've got in the team. And, and, and yeah, some of them work really well. Tav's totally turned around his career at Rangers. Um, but there's some players that, you know, that, that didn't manage to do that. And it, like you say, it wasn't because they were bad people. It was just a case of the standard wasn't quite there as quick as we probably as fans wanted it to be. Because it was such a good set of lads that meant well and, and wanted to do the best, did that make it even more frustrating that you basically weren't fully able to complete compete with rivals? Um, yeah, listen, I, I think if you put if you put a lot of these players in the team now, they'd, they'd probably shine. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah, I 
the mix, just the mix wasn't right, you know, because I'm a big believer if you play with better players, then you're going to look better and you're going to improve as a person. Like like Tavaz, he's kicked right mm-hmm. on because he's got unbelievable players around him as well, pushing him on. Um, so I just, the mix just wasn't right. I think that's just playing, you can't, you can't beat around the bush. It just wasn't good enough. I think, was it third? Third, yeah. Third, kind of. And I, I just think, Management appointment as well. I think Warb's going the way he went. And then the manager who came in after that, it was just, it just wasn't right. It just wasn't right. It was just built to be an average season, unfortunately. We probably haven't mentioned him enough um, with Mark Warburton. I don't think, not in my eyes, he's not someone who's disliked at all. Obviously, he got us back to where we needed to be and, and he tried to do it the best possible style. He's maybe a bit different to you know, some managers we've had at the club, but this is not so much my question. This comes from um, Tommy, also part of the, the podcast. But do you think Mark Warburton was maybe the right man, but at the wrong time? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I think what what we've got to remember, and it, it, it's horrible to say, that Celtic made a hell of an appoint, uh, appointment with Brendan Rodgers. You know, it... Yeah. He's a very good manager, no matter what we think. He was a very good manager and they created a very good team. Um, as, as hard as that is to say, they were a frigging good team uh, and they recruited well. The important, so, the important thing you said there was were a very good team. So I'll let you away yes, with that one. <laughs> yes. It's hard to say, but I'm trying to put a bit of perspective on this. <laughs> um, so they, they, they were a very good team. Um, and sadly, we weren't. Um, we were okay. Um, when it did get, when it was right, we could probably handle it. But unfortunately, that that wasn't enough um, during the course of the season. Um, so Mark, Mark done a Mark done a good job. He got the club up. He got the promotion. Um, and who knows if he had heavy investment like like Stephen has, then who knows where that. Would have gone. We don't know, do we? We don't know that. That's just football. Um, but he's done a good job. Uh, I don't quite know the circumstances in terms of how he left. I, just, I don't think anybody really knows that at the minute. Um, unfortunately, he decided to go uh, and the club went in a different way. Uh, but he, he did try his best, Mark. And no matter what we say about him, he's got a clear way of, of seeing the game and how he wants the how he wants his team to play, which is hell of a lot of credits to that because a lot of managers and coaches don't have that so at least he has that clear vision of where he wants his team to play Talked about times when it, it clicked and, and there was definitely times like you say that sometimes happens when you're trying to mould a team to play consistently yeah. well like Rangers do now but the game that sticks out in my mind and I know it didn't end very well for yourself but Aberdeen at home uh, was a yeah. very performance uh, atmosphere was great that day obviously oh. one, one. Um, what are your memories of that one? Yeah, that was that was unbelievable atmosphere. That's when I, I, I seen Ibrox at its former glory, I think, you know what I mean, in terms of doing 1-0 up. Um, and then out the corner of my eye, just in right through the top tiers around the stadium, just doing the bouncy bouncing. I was like, you know, what's going on? What's happening? <laughs> they're, all, they're all losing their minds here. <laughs> they're when they say they've that. all lost the plot. Yeah, they've all lost the plot here. They're all jumping up and... and um, Looking like they've, they've gone mental, and I was like, "This, oh, this is a proper club. This proper, proper stadium, proper fans." Um, and that's the first time I really seen 
everyone's together at Ibrox uh, kind of celebrating that uh, a proper performance. Um, yeah, I think I got sent off that game, didn't I? I think I lost me. Well, I think one of our players got tackled. I ended up, I think it might have even been Madison. It might have been Madison, I think, who's the Leicester kid, yeah? Yeah, it might mate. have been him. So, so I think I volleyed him, I got a yellow, and then somehow I got another yellow and a red card, but I think we managed to win the game 2-1, was it, in the end? 2-1, yep. Yeah, so thank God we got that win, because that, that was a good rivalry as well. Yeah. That was another rivalry. That, that, yeah, it's another yeah. big rivalry that, that Rangers have got as well. Do you know when you're kind of walking into to Ibrox and even at, during difficult times, like how much of a privilege does it feel to play at such a historic stadium and such a historic club, even when times are not going that well? Always, always. I mean, you uh, you drive into the stadium, obviously, you leave your car, you walk through the tunnel, you walk into the, the main reception, it's all marble, it's all old wood. You've got the, the Hall of Famers up there at the top of the steps that you walk past to go and get your pre-match. Uh, you might bump into a few legends along the, along the corridor. Uh, I, I can remember going uh, into the change rooms, you walk through uh, through the medical and there's a little room at the back where uh, they have a coffee. I'd go in there every day. John Gregg would be in there. Walter Smith would be in there on occasions. You know what I mean? Like Goffey would be in there. You'd be like Bomber. Bomber would be in there and you're like, freaking out proper people, proper legends. And you'd be yeah. sitting having a coffee with them, talking about Rangers now, how things were and how they should be. And you're like, freaking out. Like just like a just soaking it all in, soaking it all in. Loved it. Loved the chats. Loved the coffees. Uh, loved walking up the stairs. It's just proper, proper football club and proper football people. Biggest legend of them all, though, Jimmy Bell. Yeah, Luke. Yeah, yeah. Uh, some good pictures of him over the weekend. On it, brilliant yeah. with the trophy. Fantastic. Done so many jobs there, hasn't he? Done so many different jobs. Coach driving, kit man. Oh. Just brilliant, absolutely. He lets you know. He lets you know. You touched on the the celebrations there at the um, at the weekend just gone, and obviously seeing Jimmy Bell and, and Alfie and stuff like that celebrating together. And um, even though you're not sort of involved directly, you're someone who's obviously been on that journey with Rangers. You've been part of it. You've seen where it came from. Seeing those celebrations on telly and things like that. How does it feel for you as someone who was part of that journey coming back to see where the club is now? I think you're delighted for the people that are there that you know. You know what I mean? Because there's so many people in the background that uh, a lot of people don't see and the good work that they do. and um, Like the, the physios, like the masseurs, um, the ladies behind the, the canteens and, you know, just proper people who've been there years and have, have experienced the, the glory times and have gone through pain and they're desperate for it back again. So it, it's all those little emotions that come back to you. Um, yeah, and I just... I, once you play for that club you've got an affection to it you, you cannot if you know what I mean because yeah. I mean, once you leave I think I think a lot of people have said it once you leave you realise freaking out some football club that and it, it took me a while it took me um, got a good month or two because I was I was down I was thinking oh, you know it's gone I've left <laughs> I mean I, I'm not going to experience that again freaking hell I'm going to do it for myself here it does. It, it does get you. You know when you see like the likes of Jermaine Defoe, who's gone to like World Cups, played for Spurs, played in Champions League, done done everything he could possibly do. Uh, Jermaine Defoe has 
scoring big derby games, obviously some of the Newcastle scored for Spurs, Portsmouth, done so much. And yet you see him at 38 years old kind of struggling to take in like what he's done and what he's seeing, even when there's no fans there. When you're watching people like Jermaine Defoe on telly, are you going, yeah, I, I completely understand exactly where you're coming from with everything you're saying about not quite clicking on how enormous this, yeah. this club is? <laughs> I think... I think all the interviews that have come out, I think even um, even the manager, Gerard, has said, mm-hmm. this is a proper institution. I've been at Liverpool. You know, I've been at a big football club. Um, I know what big means, but this is, this seems a little bit different here. And even he's kind of grasping how big the football club is and, and the expectation. And I mean, I've travelled all around the world and you, you're always, you always find the range of supporters club everywhere. Oh yeah, everywhere. Everywhere. I was in Hong Kong a few years ago. Bang, having a beer, having a few pints with Rangers fans. <laughs> Dubai, <laughs> bang, a few. It's just, it's just, it's just everywhere. Massive, massive football club. Going back to your your time at the club, uh, I think after that sort of sticky patch, we we did actually pick up a little bit of form. Obviously. You started getting in the side more and more. I think you managed to get your first league goal against Ross County at Dingwall, first sort of 10 minutes, if I remember correctly. We then went yeah. and beat Dundee, Park Thistle, last-minute goals. Um, I've, I've always wondered what it would be like to be part of a side when you've scored in like the 92nd minute as a winner at Ibrox, which would have been Dundee, I think. It was the whole, Yeah, with Dundee. Um, yeah. It might have been Harry. Was that Harry that? Was it Harry Forrester? Yeah, it was Harry Forrester, yeah. 92nd or 94th minute or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can hear Ibrox when it goes up and we score. It's been a while, but obviously I can hear that. As a player on the pitch, when you score that late, like describe to me Ibrox as a player when that happens. Listen, so obviously you play for Rangers. A lot of teams that come to Ibrox are going to be low block, compact, sitting in around the 18-yard box, looking for a counter-attack, win 1-0. So we encountered that a lot of times. Um, And sometimes we were lucky enough to get a a goal early, which opened games up, you would go on, win comfortably. Some you'd you'd be into the 91st minute, think, God, how the hell are we going to get a goal here? We've missed a few chances. They've been resolute. They've won headers. Um, and you're just thinking, oh, is it going to be our night here or is it a draw? And then, bang, a goal goes in from nowhere and just a relief. Because you know you know, a, a draw at home is going to be frowned upon and you're going to be walking off with a few boos. That's just the way Rangers are. Even if you go away to, I don't know, say Aberdeen and you get a draw, nah, it's not good enough. <laughs> it's not good enough. We need to win. That's, that's just the reality. So, it's more of a relief that you, you've you won at home and you're going to be cheered off the park because you've won rather than getting booed off because you drew. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about good moments, obviously you, you, you know this was going to come and um, had to be discussed. Uh, tough season by Ranger standards, but one of the brightest sparks was obviously the equaliser at that place. Um Talk me through just the entire moment, like the minute you see Tav past a, uh, Emerson Hindman as it was, and then that chance. Just talk me through it. Oh, I, I, I remember it was a free kick late into the game. Tav took it. wasn't the best of free kicks. I think it went to the first man. Got cleared. I think Tav got it again. Nice little dribble. Uh, and then he slips a nice ball through to Emerson. And I just remember 
he's going to shoot across goalie. He's just going to, I've just got to just make sure I get around that back post for anything. If, if he shanks it or if the keeper does save it, I might get it. And looking if he's, he's beautiful shot and a decent save. And I just remember being, God, half a yard in, in front of, uh, I think they're right back at the time, which for me being in front of anyone half a yard was a, was a massive achievement. So just to be there and just think, oh my God, right. You don't miss this. I mean, you've got split seconds to think about it, but you're thinking, just get a solid frigging connection on this lad. We'll <laughs> go in. If you look at it, if you look at it slowly, it's actually hit my shin. Yeah. I'm just saying, I've, got to, I've got to get a big part of my body on this. I don't care what it is. And I think it's hit my shin and it's just flew in the, in, into the bottom corner. And then just the one thing I remember, the big noise from this right side of me just went off. It just went off, and obviously this this end went quiet, and it was just bang. It was like a big massive rave in this side of the <laughs> stadium. Uh, I kind of just remember being trapped in the net, and I think Kenny's come over. Yeah, um, and I, I just started looking at their fans because you know what I mean. They freaking hate us, don't they? And I thought, same <laughs> feeling, mutual. That's the feelings, mutual. <laughs> um, so I just remember thinking, right, I might not get the chance here where I see their faces with a little bit of hatred and a little bit of sadness in them so I made sure I looked at every one of them you don't actually yeah. go nuts like my next question is going to be like you, you didn't actually go nuts you just stay like for a good, yeah. for a good 30 seconds yeah I just I just tried to take it all in I tried to I mean obviously you got that ball girl there who was shouting loads to me but I couldn't hear what she was saying because I was just like can't believe just what's happened to me can't believe what's happened. Um, and then obviously, I think I've come out the net and I managed to have a, a few seconds celebrating with the fans. Um, yeah, a, a small success in, in what a, a tough season, but um, yeah, a feeling that I, I'd never have again. Like, it, it was fantastic. I'm glad I got to experience it. I really do. Did you notice what the, the ball girl had said to you? During the game, or was it afterwards on the like on the highlights that you'd notice she was shouting at you? Or could yeah. you hear it a bit? No, no, you can't hear anything because you you've got what was it seven eight thousand in the corner? They're going absolutely nuts, so you can't hear anything, and that's for the whole game, by the way. Yeah, you, you can't hear yourself speak on the pitch. You you can't you can't communicate to people in, in a the way you do as in a normal game because the noise is so intense. Uh, the pace is so quick. You're trying to catch your breath. You're trying to concentrate. Um, and I remember speaking to, I remember speaking to Jimmy Bell. I think it might have just been before the first game. I said, "What's it like, Jim? What's the old firm like here? Like, what, what have I got to expect?" He says, "It's a game like you'll never, ever, ever experience in your life." I said, "Freaking hell, go on then." He said, he's, "I remember him saying to me, he said a lot of players, unbelievable footballers at this football club.'" I found it very hard to perform in an old firm game. I said some of them have, have, have risen, but a lot of them just because of the pressure and the intensity um, of, of playing in those games. And I was like, freaking hell. That half made me feel a little bit better, if I'm going to be honest with you, in a weird way. That all like these legends of, of Rangers had a difficult moment in an old firm game. And I was like, you know, feel okay. All right. I can maybe cope with this. Um, different, totally different football game to, to anything I've experienced. You've played in big games, playoff final, Derby, QPR, if I remember yeah. correctly. Obviously, yeah. a 
it didn't work out for you on the day, but the Aguero day, Man City QPR, you're part of that as well. Um, does any game come close to an old firm, uh, old firm derby? In terms of in terms of like, like just the, the build up and the pressures and the noise, it's it's up there. It's right up there. I mean, Wembley's special for me because obviously I'm, I'm an English boy. I've had dreams of walking up the steps. I got sent off when I was, uh, oh God, twenty twenty one in a League Cup final. So I didn't get that experience to, to walk up the steps at Wembley. So that that hurt me and scarred me for a long time. So to walk up as captain for my team and, and lift a trophy for promotion was, was special. Uh, that can never be beaten. But for, in terms of atmosphere and, and experience, yeah, that, that game's right up there. Right up there. Right. So I, I just wish I could have experienced the winning like they are now because it must be unbelievable now to be winning everyone. Oh, God. Must be fantastic. Like the weeks after that, did you get like... You were talking before about the the way people would speak to you and it would be 50-50. You'd get either Rangers encouragement or you'd get those lot yeah. doing something. Did you get shit after it, after you'd scored a few weeks later? Yeah, yeah. Probably got a little bit more. <laughs> probably got a little bit more. Like, um, I can remember being on a few nights out. I, I didn't go out much because I just knew, no, it's just, just stay away. <laughs> Bad idea. You don't need it, lad. You don't need it. So I think me and Joe went out a couple of times and, I can remember a few times people saying a few things to me in, in a bar, and but I just thought, just don't even, don't even like rise to it, mate. Just just get off, have a beer with Joe, and you'd be sound because they could all go off if you if you if you go in the wrong direction. So, yeah, I, I only went out a couple of times in Glasgow, which is a shame because it's a it's a hell of a city, like, but mm-hmm. it's 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 madness if you uh, if you play for one of the teams. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't fancy it. I wouldn't fancy it. I'm <laughs> be uh, great city, love it, love a night out. Yeah, Whatever they are, I forgot what it's like with COVID, but um, yeah. Yeah, true. Don't think it's a hell of a city. I loved it, man. It's a great city. Obviously, shortly after that game, well, kind of during that game, really, uh, Pedro Cushina came in. <sighs> Let's not beat around the bush. That didn't work out. Um, original thoughts when he first came in, what were your thoughts on him? Uh, like, like everyone else, didn't really know anything about him. Didn't know anything about him. Never really seen him in, in terms of the betting or, or being favourite. From what I can remember, I always seen right. You, you need someone um, who's experienced what it is to be a Rangers manager. Has had a bit of success uh, and a bit of stability. What you don't need is someone who hasn't got a clue about what this football club is. Um, you need someone in to hit the ground running because it's kind of you're into the season there's no time to to think any different you need to hit the ground running you need someone who's experienced it before so I thought someone like a McLeish or, or whoever the names were, were might have got in mm-hmm. um, but Pedro came in and yeah I, I think I don't think I'd be the only one but I thought we were surprised didn't know what the hell to expect I think it was quite evident from the outside looking in, that I wouldn't say players didn't see eye to eye with him, but didn't have a connection. You could sort of see that. But how long did it take for the boys within the squad who did disconnect with him to have that disconnection? Was it quite fast or was it a case of... I mean, the language was an issue as well, obviously. He didn't speak the greatest yeah. of English, did he? 
I think that was the main, that was probably his main error in terms of the way he got things across um, because his English wasn't perfect. Uh, maybe the way he said things, he didn't mean it in those ways, but the language barrier obviously highlighted it that way. Um, so, so that wasn't good for him. Um, and he just, listen, he just had a, a different way of doing things like every manager does. Um, the training sessions were different. Uh, the timings were different. We'd do double sessions. We'd be out on the pitch for half an hour, then come in for an hour, then go out again. It's just, there was just a lot of, a lot of change. Um, and I can remember him uh, doing, picking a lot of teams on a Monday. Uh, Monday, Tuesday, which would obviously infuriate a lot of players. Yeah. Because you're out of the team. It's not you're not playing till Saturday, and you're out of the team already. So it's like, and then if if one gets injured, you come in, you know, well, he doesn't like me. Doesn't, so it was just a bit. Yeah, it was just a bit. It could have been handled differently, but obviously coming to a new culture, a new um, obviously a new country and everything, um, he did struggle with the with the language, and I don't think it helped him. And his staff as well were okay, probably a little bit more fluent in English and in. I think there was definitely one, um, but a few others were, were similar to him and the messages were a little bit mixed and a little bit here and there, which didn't help him. Do you know when he had like the press conferences and he came out with some like mad stuff, do you think yeah. he was actually that mad or do you think that was a language barrier where he couldn't express what he actually meant to say and ended up sounding a bit crackers? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Was it the caravans? and I, I ain't got it. Yeah, I ain't got a clue. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Listen, it's it's a, it's a hard place to do an interview because they're always looking for the one little one little slip up, one little misdemeanor, um, and that's the headline. So you've got to be. It's one thing I found. You've got to be bang on it. You've got to be. It's like preparing for a game because if, if you're going in an interview with the with the press and they and they get you. Oh, sorry, catch you off guard for one second, then you know you slipped up, and it's that's the headline. No matter what you said after it, that is the headline, and that's what they'll run with. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course, as the that's, that's, I am, that, that's not me at all. I'm far from like that. <laughs> of course not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think I remember correctly. I think your last game was hot. Yeah. Yeah. Now, just before that. There was a conversation, if I remember correctly, where I heard this from somewhere, and you, you can correct me if I'm wrong with this, but I think he basically came to you, didn't, and said and said he wasn't going to renew your contract because essentially, in his own way, he didn't rate the footballer that you were. Is that correct? I, listen, I, I think I said that might have been a little bit of a language barrier as well, but yeah, we had a chat man-to-man, which was, hey, listen, fantastic. That, that's the way you want to be dealt with as a player. Uh, and he said, listen, next season... Um, you won't be for me. I'm going to be bringing my own players in. Um, I don't think you can play uh, the way I want to play. Um, and I said, "Well, listen, I disagree with you. I, I don't, I don't agree with what you're saying. Um, but I respect you for for saying it to my face. Um, and thank you. And listen, I'll do my best for you. No problem. So the end of the season. Um, and then I think I played that Hearts game. Yeah." I think we won two nil. I think, I think we won two nil. I think I, I think I got man of the match. Yeah, my first ever one summer, so I was absolutely buzzing. <laughs> I've just been told I've been released by Rangers, and then the next day you, you you're at there again because you've got a clean sheet. You beat Hearts two nil, and you got man of the match for you know, football mates. Um, and I think I said to the I said to the press then I said that that's me. That's 
Um, I'll be leaving at the end of the season. So it was out there. Uh, but I've been carrying a calf issue for a couple of weeks before that and it just it went again in the Hearts game. So that, that stopped me playing the next friggin' two games, which I think was Aberdeen at home and St. Johnston away. So, so that was my last game as a Rangers player. So, yeah, would have been would have been nice to play the Aberdeen game at home. Say goodbye, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would have been. It would have been. But um, hey, that, that's the way it is. To be fair, I, I was lucky enough to. God knows how I managed to go back to that that Legends game. I don't know how I got in that, but um, against Liverpool, and that was nice to go back and and go round again and, and give the fans a, a, clip, a clap and away for the appreciation. So at least I got to do that way, which was nice. So a final question. It's probably. A very short question that can be answered in a very, very long way, so feel free. Um, but in a way, you'd be very proud and very happy that you, you performed for Rangers despite the fact you were sort of 37. But is there a little bit of you that is a bit good you didn't get the chance to go there earlier and also for a little bit longer? Of course. Of course, I could... Like the, the lads now must be... Must be walking on fresh air now. Yeah. Must be like, like God's... That's how mad it is. If you do well for for that football club and you win trophies and, and you perform to a high standard at the end of the season, you're winning doubles, trebles, whatever. You're like a frigging god. That's how mad it is. That's how that's how precious. That's what it is. That's how precious the, the game is to, to Rangers fans, that club. So I can always just think back on oh, this place must have been fantastic you know when when they're winning the nines and winning the trebles and the doubles man them players must have been like far on a different level and yeah hopefully those days are on the way back because um yeah the the, the fans definitely deserve that the football club deserve it so very very pleased to see them back where they belong perfect clint that was awesome thanks very much thank you mate this is I'm shaking, you wanna go